We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 88. Our guest today is a horse lover, of course, but she is a lot more than that. She is an amazing adult amateur rider, and she has done several things to kind of move the needle and create an impact within the equestrian industry. Some of my favorite things that we are touching on in her interview today are a grant that allows young kids to be able to experience pony finals for the very first time, and I just think that's amazing. And she also is the brains behind one of my favorite spots on the Wellington Showgrounds, which is Farm Stand. So here to talk about all of those things today, Becky Gotchman. Would love to hear a little bit about how you got into the equestrian industry, what that kind of looked like for you, and then going into your amateur career a bit. Okay. Well, I started out at a very low level. I always wanted a horse since I could ever remember. (laughs) And I would, I remember watching a kind of a cartoon TV show that was in my area called Sally Star and she was a rider and a cowgirl and a singer. And, you know, I just, my eyes were glued to her and I had a rocking horse and I just, you know, always, always wanted to ride. I remember finding a four leaf clover and I was sure that pony would be in my backyard, but <laughs> you know, of course it wasn't, but sure. I, I eventually, you know, just begged and, Pride and my mom always really loved animals, and my dad really was a person that supported any any strong passion. So when I was eleven, I got my first horse, and so that was amazing. And her her name was Becky, and she nice. was twenty years old, and she was in the paper for a free horse. I think she ended up costing. for because she just got um, her like two front shoes on. But that horse taught me so much. And we kept our a few girlfriends and myself, we kept our horses at an elderly man's house who had a rickety barn that all of our parents fixed up. And I, I think I rode that horse all through the town of suburban New Jersey and, you know, just had a blast. And I was pretty self-taught, self-taught rider. I think the adventures taught us more than anything, like going on picnics Mm -hmm. and swimming with the horses and, you know, getting, racing the train and getting into all kinds of trouble, things that we would never ever of course do today or want our kids to do but we we had a blast so eventually a neighborhood fellow helped me Mr. O'Reilly and he would march down to our barn and say your bridles aren't hung right you know (laughs) what are you doing and so I think his voice really mattered to me and I was really glad to have a strong mentor 
And he, I think his voice is still with me today. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like I pass his voice on to people that are employed by me. And so it's neat thinking back who helped me early on. Eventually at around age, I did 4-H and barrel racing and pole bending. And then I would hop into a hunter class. And mm. I, by that time I had a little cute Appaloosa and I would just, just about do anything with her too. So, but at age 16, I got a little more serious and I worked with Sandy Lobel and the Coles who were at Tewksbury Farm. And I started doing rated shows and equitation. And my big thing was going to Devon. I had gone to Devon as a little kid and just, you know, fell as a spectator and fell in love with the horses and the candy booth. And, Mm -hmm. and that was magic, like just pure, insane magic to me. And so to be able to compete there as a junior rider was probably the highlight. I think I got a third place ribbon in a medal class. And, you know, it was just, that was so cool. So then I stopped for a while. I took a year off before going to college and worked for a farm called Coppergate in New Jersey. Went to school as a wild child. I took a while to get through school, but I became an art educator. But I would always kind of like look around and try to find a horse that needed exercising. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I kept my hand in it slightly. And then I didn't get seriously back into it until I got married. And after I had been a school teacher for about eight years and did other things. And then I got really into it as an amateur rider. Yeah. After you took that you know, long break when you went to school and then when you started teaching, what, what kind of made you get back into it again? Well, truthfully, I, you know, I could afford it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and so I started taking lessons. I was in Texas at the time with Peter Pletcher Mm -hmm. and he was just so fun. And, you know, we just laughed all the time. You know, he's just such a great personality. And shortly after I got back into it, I had kids. And so I I think I did the adults for the adult hunters with him and made it back to, well, made it to the amateur owner three, six. And then I was just really dedicated to it. I had taught for about eight years and worked in some different outreach programs and for museums and for like Texas Children's Hospital and a few other places. So I was, I felt kind of like ready to, it was nice to have a break from riding. And I'm, I'm very thankful that I did a lot of other things. And I'm thankful also that it was wild and I followed my spirit and I did I followed the Grateful Dead around. I did, you know, Um, all kinds of road trips and, you know, experienced a lot of things. And, but I was always, art and horses were always my passion. So when I got back to doing horses more seriously, it just felt really good to me. It's happy. It's my happy place for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Once you started, you decided like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this adult amateur thing and like really take it seriously. What were some changes that you made? What did that look like for you? I think whatever I get into, I, I do put my full heart into it. So the passion part is never really any problem. Like I always want to you know, get up and go to the barn. I've always had like a commute to my barn. So I've always had to be pretty dedicated to, you know, know that there's a drive and like then do my training. I always wanted to do it. So it never felt like I had to, you know, work extra hard at anything because I was always, you know, from even when I was doing it, myself like at that you know the first funny little barn we were at that I just I threw myself into it and so I always work pretty hard I always like am thinking about how to improve and I would watch other riders and I would as a youngster I would pour through the chronicle I would just Mm -hmm. look at every single photograph and you know, and as an amateur rider, I enjoy watching the the superstars of the, you know, both the hunter and the jumper world. I feel like when I watch like Scott Stewart, Stewart do a course, you know, I really try to feel what he's feeling. Yeah. And I just try to really observe very totally. heavily. Absolutely. I feel like I've only personally seen you in the hunter ring. Do you have horses in other rings right now? Yes, because my kids really got into jumpers and mm-hmm. we started going to Europe. So I I would have been left behind if I, <laughs> if I didn't jump into that yeah. other ring. And so, you know, at age 55, I stepped into the jumper ring wow. and I like dabbled a few times in it before but I never really liked it because I I would go I would try to go as fast as I could and then I would go home and sleep that night and think oh my gosh like (laughs) I left out a stride like that was so weird and scary and Mm -hmm. I would freak myself out but I think really watching the kids and knowing that I had to do it I stepped up and like Ken Berkeley gives very um precise uh direction. Mm-hmm. And so it is very, just very picky. And so you you end up, it's hard and he's a pretty hard trainer, but you end up being pretty sure of yourself that you're, yeah. you've got the best shot and you're going to be safe. And so I've really enjoyed, I have three jumpers right now that I ride in the meter 10 to meter 15. Maybe I've gone meter 20 a little bit in, in the European shows, but I've just really enjoyed it. So I think I, uh, I I really, I like both reins. I, you know, the hunters rain is really where I feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. but like the jumpers are a lot more challenging and I feel like I'm really learning every day, you know, with that, with, with that extra challenge. That's been great. Tell me a Old little dogs bit. dogs can learn new yeah, tricks, you right. know, it's like they can. So. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about your hunters that you have right now. Okay. Well, I have Catch Me, who I, 
you know, is just an amazing horse. He has gone through a couple different, like really funny, you know, just not funny, but strange illnesses. Like he, when we first got him shortly after he had botulism and we got through that and he came through with flying colors. And last year he had a really strange compaction in his stomach. So Mm. we were out this last wet, but he's back. And Mm. I'm actually showing him this weekend for the first time in a long time. So since since indoors last year. So he's fully recovered. He does not eat hay anymore. He has special food. He can eat as much grass as he wants to. And he has this like feeder that, is timed and he gets fed all through the night and he is as happy as can be. Yeah, I think the other like horses are like, yeah, I think <laughs> like the other horses are a little jealous, but of course he's a he's a pure dream to yeah. ride. So I have him. I have Mythical, who is a 16-year-old gelding who is just He is just part of our family. You know, he's, everybody has ridden him and he, he's just, he has such a cute personality. He's just, just a bit bigger than a pony. And so I never, my first horse was like 16 too. When I was 11, I never, I rode some ponies for fun, but you know, so he's my, I consider him my pony. And we've tried to sell him a couple of times. We thought, Oh, like, you know, it's time to move on. But every time we let somebody ride him, he like actually would spin or buck them off or something. And so he did not want to go. And Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that, so happy that he never left. Like he has, I don't know, just been such a fun partner for me. So I've really enjoyed him. And then I have Last Man's Darling who was the one who had a surprise full last year. I was circuit right. champ with, with her at WEF in the three threes. And a couple weeks after stop, we stopped showing, she gave birth. So it was that like, is the, oh I heard gosh, that and I'm like, yeah, that so, is yeah, so yeah. wild. Yeah. So that was pretty. And so <sighs> now her baby is weaned and we decided to, she was, at a farm where she was rehabilitating. And so we gave the fall to the, to the farm where she was at. So I hope that his name is surprise and I hope (laughs) he has a great life and it's cute that he went back there. And so, and she's, she's ready to go too. I'm not going to show her this weekend, but knock on wood, she'll be, you know, we'll be together this coming with great so that's exciting that's so cool I know with you and the girls um heading over to Europe to show and do some of the jumpers over there were you mostly finding both your hunters and jumpers in Europe were you finding some that were already in the states how is that how's that process for you guys as far as picking horses I think it's a real mix I think Scott um Stuart is really great he always and Ken too they always have their eyes Mm-hmm. completely wide open like Scott if he comes to Europe and watches a jumper you know watches us in the jumpers he's going to keep his eyes open for anything totally. they're constantly traveling to Europe to find horses and then 
Like I'm pretty proud that I think, you know, I saw Catch Me early on. Snoopy is his bar name. And at a show at the Traverse City shows a while ago. And so when he, and he was always a little bit quirky, but Mm -hmm. I loved him. And then when he came to WEF with Cookie Beck and he was written in the first years, I just happened to be at the rain. And so I was like, Scott, Scott, here's, you know, this horse, can we (laughs) watch it? And so, you know, that's how we found him. But I guess, you know, we're always a little bit on the lookout. Yeah. We we've um, we have one now that Sambalina, who we bred, who is a full sibling to my really nice hunter who passed away, Sambalino. So, oh. and we have another full sibling who's just turning three. So that's um, exciting. Yeah. So that's been pretty cool. And so mostly we just you know, eyes wide open and we, you know, find our horses in a variety of ways, but, but, you know, it's fun. I have a, another one that is named catchphrase that I haven't ridden yet that I'm excited about, but I, you know, we have, I have enough, a few younger ones then and, and, but many of my horses right now besides uh, catch me, I think are all, 15 or 16 yeah. my jumpers are all like I think they're all 16 years old so okay. <laughs> I I enjoy that I like that yeah. they're 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 all knock on wood like so healthy yeah. right now still love and, their job yeah and, and they yeah. still and they I feel like they take care of me and they're they're really friends they're definitely friends of mine wanted to take a quick breather to talk to you about our sponsor today, and that is Ram Fencing. Ram offers a huge selection of horse stalls, fencing, equine products for your farm and your barn, you name it. They only use the finest quality materials and detailed craftsmanship that's specifically for the equine industry. They have flexing upon contact, which is such a big part because let's be honest, our horses are so accident prone. Their horse fencing systems require very minimal maintenance, strong breakthrough strength, as well as an extremely long lifespan. They have a really nice overview of all of their products over at their website, so go check it out, ramfence.com, that's R-A-M-M, fence.com, or give them a call at 1-800-434-8456. Thank you so much, Ram. All right, let's get back to the episode. What are some goals that you have for yourself? I know this this year has been so weird, but um, moving forward in the next year or so, do you have any specific <laughs> goals or milestones you're hoping to get to? Well, I think I've pretty much done everything that I've wanted to in the hunter ring. I feel very blessed with having great horses like Samba, Sambalino, Empire, Touchdown, Catch Me. I've, I've really had an amazing go with horses. And I think that, you know, whatever my feeling now, of course, like the jumper rain, I'm always like, I'm always a little, truthfully, a little scared in that rain. Mm-hmm. But so my goal is to probably 
get more comfortable in that rain. I would love, I tried doing the, to go up a little bit in height and, Mm -hmm. you know, I was not sure, but maybe, maybe I can still do it. We'll see. But I, I think my goal is really to have fun and to keep going as long as I can. Like I'll probably, you know, (laughs) like just be one of those people, hopefully, you know, that are in the saddle for quite some time. I mean, it's my, how I get my exercise. It's Mm -hmm. how I, I clear my head. It's, you know, it's just my therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. It's everything. (laughs) everything. Yes. It's everything. Awesome. So cool. When you first started off from obviously doing so much in the hunters and then transitioning to doing some in the jumpers, what were some kind of like mind shifts that you had to do to go from ring to ring? Yeah. My God. (laughs) I think like I probably went off course like right. every yeah. other time. And then sometimes Amanda Derbyshire, you know, would be at the rain and uh-huh. she'd be like, go left. And like, <laughs> I like, but she's in her English accent. Uh-huh. I couldn't always like understand her. And I would just be like all confused. Or mm-hmm. I remember last year at Devon, I, I had the fastest time, but I skipped you know, a couple jumps and just like things like that will happen. And I mean, they still happen to me all the time because I feel like I do, I am getting the courses now, like I'm understanding them more. They are a little more intuitive to me. And I guess that came with just like really observing my girls and the riders, you know, just watching so many jumper classes. So, you know, and I really like to watch what the riders do with their hands because I'm always working. um, In Texas, they called me pick pick because (laughs) like I just like pick for my distances. Uh And I love that nickname because it would always (laughs) like remind me to do a better job and be smoother. And so, but I love really, you know, watching like someone like McLean, who's like, just like so smooth with his hands and guiding his horses. And, you know, there's just so many good riders to watch. And so sometimes I feel like I go in and, you know, the classes, they're not very high, but, you know, I do my best and Mm -hmm. they're pretty speedy like the like the masters oh my gosh at WEF there it's really competitive and you know you have to just go all out and if you don't you're just going to be beaten so we have a, a really fun group in that division and we're all you know we're friendly to each other we're rooting for each other but we're completely going all out and we all have saints as horses. So I just think that that is like such a fun division for me, you know, so it's really amazing what watching other people that you, you know, look up to and admire their riding, Mm -hmm. um, how much that helps your personal riding. It's really cool. Tell me a little bit about moving off of your riding and there's several things that you do within the equestrian industry to make an impact. Tell me a little bit about the Gotchman Grant and how that came to be and what what that all involves. Okay, well, you know, I had been going to pony finals, you know, we'd been going as a family mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed seeing all the 
all the pony riders coming from all over. And I just always remembered how, you know, when I was a little kid, how much I would have enjoyed doing something like that and having that support. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that was in the back of my mind and Jen Berger like approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in doing something with Pony Finals. So we came up with the grant idea in 2016. 2015 was a test year, which our first writer was a boy named Matthew Bravo. And I think we will, this, of course, this year, we usually take three riders every year mm-hmm. and we, it's, it is a monetary grant, but that's really in nature, but it's really more experience based because mm-hmm. the kids get to come and they're provided with like great professionals for training nice. and They get to go to different clinics and educational experiences. They go to, they went to different racetrack farms and, you know, they just learn a lot. So the week is full. Rob Jacobs and Robin Greenwood, they really are the glue that hold that program together. And they've done, I think we get somewhere between 40 and 60 applicants every year. They need to send in a video and write about their experience. And so that, I think we've had 19 by next year, because we're going to take six riders instead of three. Nice. We'll have had 19 riders. If, you know, all goes well next year, we'll have had 19 riders go through the program. So that means really so much to me, you know, and I think I could safely say my whole family to see kids enjoy the opportunity to compete some with their ponies sometimes we provide ponies for them and you know and also like it's exciting like rob who's been such a um great person doing and robin too but he is now i think he is going to be the, or he is the associate writing director for St. Andrews University in North Carolina. And, but one of his conditions and taking that job, he said he still wanted to do the pony grant. So it's like, yay. Yeah. Cause like he was brought up similar to myself and it's really important for him to see kids get a chance that normally wouldn't. And you know, just to be inclusive, because it does bother me. That is one thing about our sport that, you know, since it is such an expensive sport that, you know, not everybody can do it. So, you know, we do, I think it's cool to figure out ways to make that a little more possible for, for more people. So that's just been like a little passion for myself and our family we feel good about that and we hope we can we hope we can help and we hope we can think of new ways in the future as well to help with that absolutely let's talk a little bit about 
one of my highlights of being in Wellington in the winter, and that is the farm stand, because I think I'm there pretty much every day. (laughs) So, I mean, whether it's, it's an, first of all, it's an amazing spot on the showgrounds, whether it is the Mongolian beef or the teriyaki chicken or, no, literally, (laughs) the garlic rice. I love it. So, Tell me a little bit about how that came to be and, and kind of some things that you have in the works with the farm stand. Okay. Well, you know, this coming season will be our fourth season. And, you know, when the kids were young, we, and we were in the Pony Island, we would pack up a big cooler. Mm -hmm. Like we would fix some food. Tess, our housekeeper would help us. We would pack it all in and bring it to the, showground and like I felt really good about eating our stuff but also maybe a hair guilty you know seeing other people have to eat you know from different you know like food is good there but it's not quite like a home feeling or like good organic you know that's it takes so much effort to do that stuff so I right by Pony Island between Pony Island and the Grand Hunter Rain, there was this spot that was paved already and these cute little pavers and mm-hmm. kids would, there's like a little portable bathroom there and then some pony jumps that kids would play on, but it really was brambly and not used for anything. Mm-hmm. So somehow I got the idea why, oh, and there was like a little, already like a little structure there. So why not take that and turn it into a little food court. And, you know, so one thing led to another and we got electricity in that area. We fixed up the stand that was already there and talking about it. I guess it's like the same, you know, coming from my roots of fixing up that barn when I was young, you know, and we just like, we just did it. And Mm -hmm. we got an old Citron, like funny French um, truck that we, made into a food truck and we call it Tess and Co from our really lovely housekeeper who's just an amazing cook and other people who have been employed with our family started working there and then we have we we got a boutique we put a boutique together with mostly sustainable products and put a ping pong table and, you know, just a couple other food trucks, coffee and wellness healers. And I, it's so cool because we can really, we can host different pop-ups and mostly with entrepreneurs that, you know, some of them are very seasoned, but some, Mm -hmm. it might be their first try at doing something. And we really try to accommodate everybody. And so I I remember going to the barn or going to kids lessons and somebody saying, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? You're going to last like two weeks. Like that sounds like so, you know, terrible to have to run like something. But to me, it has been such a joy. I just love getting up in the morning, going like directly to farm stand. And truthfully, it has kept me away from the barn a little bit because I just, you know, I'm so passionate about the community of 
the showgrounds. And I really feel like farm stands a place where people can just let their, take their helmets off, let Mm -hmm. their hair down. And we had somebody, a trainer who brought their portable organ and played the piano and had a little concert. We have a free library. We, I don't know. We just do like, it just seems it came together very sweetly and it's been a lot of work, but, um, I really feel like it just makes my heart sing to see people enjoy the flowers. We grow a lot of our food and flowers at our horse farm in Grand Prix village and to see people enjoying them and talking about nature and that pond that's like nobody ever noticed it. And now, you know, it's become alive and it's a place where people can just like hold little meetings or sometimes people bring their laptops and, you know, use it as a little workstation or they, you know, or it's just a place to, to relax and get really yummy, organic, mostly gluten-free food. And so of course this year it's a whole, (laughs) You know, we don't know what's going to go on. So, but we're really planning and we're really thinking about box lunches and mm-hmm. how we can get more of a grab and go mentality cool. and how to space our tables. And, and then during this time, since we just can't like really sit still for too long, we've, I've hired a few more people. Christy straight is, is always managed and run everything, but we've um, upped our game and hired some people to really help us bring it further it along. And I'm working really, we're working with the new folks to get a better online shop yeah. and to where we're starting to manufacture from most, and a lot of the ingredients we use from our farm, like uh, different bath salts, really natural, beautiful soaps, shower scrubs, different kinds of insects, natural insect repellent, little perfumes. And we are having a blast. And, you know, just like our, with all our like senses and, you know, smelling things, like creating things and really trying to think how to, get people, we're moving, I guess, a little bit more into the home area. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we are just, you know, always experimenting and always moving forward. And so that just like with the writing, you know, how you always have goals and you're always going, trying to go someplace and going forward, Mm -hmm. the same thing is happening with farm stands. So that's just been and so, so much fun. And, you know, I, I feel like it does give back to the community and it gives back, everybody gives back to each other when they're there, they're really, people seem happy and they want to just, you know, it becomes a, a little bit different than the hectic and Mm -hmm. more sometimes, you know, too serious horse world. So, so that feels, feels right. 
Absolutely. And I think just from a standpoint of being there all winter long for, for those riders and trainers and, and staff that are there for long periods of time, it's it's such a great, unique place in that kind of what you said, you know, like mentally and emotionally, it's such a calming place. But then also you just have the peace of mind that, you know, you can you know, be at the horse show for 15 hours in a day and you can still take in some good, uh, high quality food where I right. think that, you know, for, yeah, because everybody's that, like such an athlete. People are athletes. They want good juices. They want, you know, really high quality stuff. So hopefully now we can, you know, bring them more natural things for their, to put on, you know, to use on their bodies and mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, we're always experimenting and we're, you know, so I think there's going to, people will see really fun, interesting stuff happening there this season. I'm really actually looking forward to to doing too. it. Yeah. It's going to be fun. So to see, you know, we going to do our, um, shop buying a little bit different and mm-hmm. where so it's going to be I think it, it is going through a little bit of change this year naturally of sure. course because of COVID but I think sometimes when bad things happen like that you can also you know reassess and mm-hmm. you know try to take the time to make some good things happen too so hopefully okay. that's what we've done and maybe and hopefully people will, will see that. And, you know, I'm always into like trying to think of ways to eventually get more involved, perhaps in the community of Wellington itself. And I really do love that a lot of people come out to see the horse show, you know, of course it probably won't happen, you know, now, but, you know, in future years for sure. And I I think it's really as inclusive as we can be Mm -hmm. is, is the better way to go. I just, I feel, I feel really strongly about that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I I really appreciate your mindset and everything you've done to um, be a part of the community for people who are going to be physically in Wellington this winter. It's very exciting. And for people listening who won't be, you can still definitely shop several items on your website, correct? Right. Yeah. It's starting and we'll, yeah, that will just get better and better with time too. So yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you, Becky, so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a ton oh, of fun. Thank you. It was really fun. Thank Amazing. you so much for having me. Thank you. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.